This is an APS CIO note. September 2021. Common Prosperity or Common Poverty by Wong Kok Hoi. President Xi Jinping, China's New Robin Hood. Common Prosperity or CP. Conjures up images of massive wealth redistribution and is the current buzzword of investors in China. It has the imprimatur of China's leader, President Xi Jinping, who has repeated this phrase in several speeches since his ascent to the apex of power. The pilot for this CP project is Zhejiang Province. Most economists and analysts of China seem to have hastily jumped to the conclusion that the Zhejiang High Development and Common Prosperity Plan, the Zhejiang Plan, spells the end of capitalism, the death of entrepreneurship, and a return to the era of Maoism or Marxism-Leninism. Naturally, they argued that China is no longer quote investable. Because President Xi now wants to redistribute wealth from successful companies and rich entrepreneurs to the poor. In short, they believe Xi is China's new Robin Hood. Zhejiang Plan: Building a Supermodern 21st Century China. To understand the ultimate goals of the Zhejiang Plan. A good starting point is to study the hefty 104,000-word document. It is organized as nine categories covering 118 wide-ranging policy objectives, such as developing a globally competitive, technologically advanced economy, creating a harmonious, stable, and happy society, protecting and preserving a green and sustainable ecological environment. Building a corruption-free and people-centered political system, correcting the dislocations and excesses in the economy, as well as minimizing systemic risk. As my curiosity got the better of me, I read this in both English and Mandarin. You'll be surprised to know that the CP component is but a tiny part of the comprehensive plan calling for a socio-economic transformation of China. Believe it or not, building a digital, technologically advanced, entrepreneurial, creative, and competitive economy, enhancing the quality and affordability of education, pursuing high-quality cultural life, pursuing spiritual happiness and well-being, building a society based on the rule of law, helping rural residents to improve their productivity and income, creating a global talent pool. Building first-class infrastructure, etc., each took up more space than CP. The section on wealth distribution is only a small part of Xi's CP plan. Importantly, the CP plan also can be seen as the execution of ESG at the individual, company, and government level, because it talks a lot about the actors of the system. Taking responsibility for society and the environment, as well as about sustaining a prosperous and stable economic, societal, and political system, and so forth. Think for a minute. 
Do you need a 104,000-word plan to enact a Robin Hood program of compelling the rich to give to the poor and to exhort your citizens to do philanthropy or more philanthropy? A three-page document should suffice. Besides, Zhejiang is one of the most prosperous provinces in China, and even the farmers tilling the soil in the rural areas are quite well off. Picking Zhejiang as a pilot program for wealth redistribution would surely come across to the hundreds of millions of the poor and needy in the other provinces as hypocritical. Wouldn't picking a province like Henan, Guizhou, or Longjian be safer and more appropriate? Choosing a province like Zhejiang might turn out one day to be political dynamite for Xi and the party. What then is Xi's new CP doctrine? In our view, it is a new vision or grand plan many times more comprehensive and ambitious than the Made in China 2025 plan. To us, it is a plan to build a modern China, a supermodern 21st century China with Zhejiang as the first province to spearhead this grand plan. Wealth redistribution is a small part of the CP plan. It is more of a plan to build more Huawei's, SMICs, Hikevisions, Xiaomi's, Venustechs, Wuji Biotechs, as well as companies in other fields that will rise to become global leaders. It begs the question, why have she and the official media been using the term CP for a grand plan? Isn't the term a misnomer? Yes, it is. My guess is that they do not wish to further alarm the U.S. as Made in China 2025 did, which has caused them lots of trouble and inconvenience. And mind you, this is many times more ambitious. Two noted economists said about three weeks ago that this plan might take 100 years to achieve most of its goals. Why would you need 100 years to do the job if CP is about sharing prosperity? To their minds, the CP plan is to build a supermodern, successful, high-quality, and sustainable economic, societal, ecological, and political system. This comprehensive, tectonic, and ambitious task would take at least several decades, if not 100 years, to achieve most of its goals. Only after having read the Zhejiang Plan, plus another long document, the State Council Guiding Plan, can one understand what the two economists meant when they said 100 years. Having read both documents in Mandarin and English, I am confident enough to call it a grand vision or grand plan, a plan many, many times more ambitious than the Made in China 2025 plan, Probably a super-ambitious plan never attempted in the past or at least in recent history. Don't judge an economic plan by its title. The title is a red herring. The thrust of this grand plan, or CP, is well summed up at the end of the document. It gives quite a different twist compared to what many investors have been saying CP is all about. It says, and I quote, CP is to encourage workers through honest work, hard work, innovation, and entrepreneurship 
to increase income and wealth and continuously improve productivity and total factor productivity. Give full play to the decisive role of the market in the allocation of resources. This is the new Robin Hood in Xi Jinping. It is not to say that President Xi is not interested in the affairs of the poor. He is, but he hopes to achieve it by way of a larger pie, a pie with many more toppings of science and technology, creativity, innovation, etc. The failed experiment of socialism in the three decades from 1949 is not lost on the party, the government, and the Chinese citizenry. It is unthinkable to think that China now wants to abandon a system which combines the best elements of socialism and capitalism that has brought phenomenal success and prosperity to the country and its 1.4 billion people in the last three decades, a feat probably unmatched in Chinese history and even in the history of the world. To me, they are trying to improve on what they have built thus far in a plan that should have been called the quote, supermodern 20th century grand plan, instead of a misleading and confusing quote, high quality development and common prosperity plan. If the plan succeeds, it will undoubtedly be Xi's greatest contribution to China's modernization. This will be Xi's legacy. That said, Workers have not enjoyed their full rights and the protection that their counterparts enjoy in other developed countries. The plan will also ensure that working conditions will improve and that their housing needs, children's education, and retirement benefits will be addressed. In other words, if a Chinese citizen were to sit at his desk and not work harder for his fair share of income, he might have to wait for 100 years for Robin Hood to come a-knocking. So, the market anxiety over whether CP takes Xi's China too far to the left is overdone. It is, to quote Shakespeare, much ado about nothing. Now, to avoid confusion, we will use the term Zhejiang Grand Plan instead of CP from here onwards. Confluence of recent key events have contributed to the confusion. In a short period of 10 months, major events have taken place to give investors the impression that there is a common thread running through them, a ferocious and unrelenting attack on tech companies, tycoons, entrepreneurs, capitalism, media personalities, and so on. Let's recall some of the incidents. Let's start with Ant Financial's last-minute IPO cancellation. Besides the systemic risk posed to the banking system and the usurious interest charges on farmers and the youthful, huge amounts of the shares were reported to be allocated to Zhejiang government officials and Jack Ma's friends, such as entertainment personality Zhao Wei. The party secretary of Hangzhou was detained under corruption charges and Zhao Wei vilified in the media for selling back the shares at a small premium. This infuriated Beijing. As much as 85% of the USD 10 billion raised by the after-school tuition companies last year was spent on marketing blitzes to secure pupils and hiring away teachers from government schools. 
A short video that went viral showed that a top online star teacher, wooed by the EdTech schools, turned out to be an actress. Like in many countries, the young Chinese are spending more and more hours on online gaming. Unless this is curbed, educationalists fear that future generations will be unproductive workers. The proposed new regulations on Macau's casino business are meant for the new concessions, scheduled to be awarded next June. The new rules are nothing out of the ordinary. Singapore's rules from a decade ago are probably more stringent. The first set of rules legislated by Macau two decades ago were ambiguous, which led to the eventual issuance of six licenses instead of the stated number of three in the gaming constitution. There were also media reports of lawsuits, bribery, and numerous other misdeeds for years. Last but not least, the financial woes of Evergrande an apparent victim of China's crackdown on the real estate industry. Few have asked why one of China's largest developers could get into a financial crunch during the longest and most powerful housing bull market this century. And China's housing market has yet to experience a major correction. Is Evergrande a victim of the government's crackdown, or is it due to financial fraud? As far as I can tell, the causes that led to the precipitation of these five key events are rather disparate. If there is a common thread, it is a reaction, either regulatory or business-related, to the excesses built up over many years. The excesses were evident for all those who cared to see. And we had written on numerous occasions about business improprieties in China's e-commerce industry, the Macau Gaming Concession Retendering Risk, VIE Risk, and so on. Markets awash in liquidity tend to ignore business excesses and their risks. It seems the chickens are finally coming home to roost. In our assessment, this confluence of events has added to the confusion, disorienting many investors into believing that China is abandoning capitalism for common prosperity or a colossal redistribution of wealth. To some, it is an ironical twist of a modernization plan. If the CP is intended to target the rich, we would have seen large capital outflows, which would have led to a significant weakening of the renminbi. This time, the UN has appreciated. Is China, quote, uninvestable? Should investors run with George Soros, who has argued that the Common Prosperity Plan spells the end of capitalism, the death of entrepreneurship, and a return to the era of Maoism? As far as we can tell, there isn't an iota of evidence of those intentions in the Grand Plan. In addition, President Xi personally announced the setting up of the Beijing Stock Exchange for small and medium-sized companies as recently as September 3rd. Which entrepreneur would want to list his or her company if she and his team are targeting them in their common prosperity plan? It makes no sense whatsoever. Some of the recent policies have created volatility in the market and weaker players will fall while the survivors will emerge stronger. 
the contrast between developers Evergrande and Vanke comes to mind. There may well be more edtech-style sector cleanups in the future, and more Evergrande-type sagas. But there will also be new long-lived ten-backers created along that same path. To prosper by investing in Chinese equities, one must always be discerning so that you are able to avoid the minefields, doing your own deep fundamental research, and not taking things at face value. China has successfully built a competitive industrial system, a world-class network of infrastructure, a competent bureaucratic system, a vibrant and successful private sector, etc. China's plan now seems to be to build more of the same, in a blueprint called the Zhejiang Grand Plan. We believe the super-ambitious Grand Plan, if implemented well, will throw up enormous new opportunities for investors. Our current portfolio seems to fit rather well with the Grand Plan. We also will be adding a few names soon. Wang Ka Khoi. The founder and CIO Wang Ka Khoi has 40 years of investment experience, including CIO at CityTrust Japan, Senior PM at Citibank Hong Kong, and Senior Investment Officer of GIC. He was the recipient of the prestigious Manbushu Scholarship in Japan and graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce Honors degree from Hitusubashi University, 1981. Mr. Wong completed the Investment Appraisal and Management Program at Harvard University, 1990.